This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs is in his 41st year as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. I wanted to tell you what a great service you provide to this community. I listen to your show every week. Thank you for what you do for our community, for all the parents, coaches, and athletes. And now, here's your host, rated one of the best therapists in Kansas City, Missouri, by OnlineTherapy.com, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everybody. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Welcome to our show here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm here every Sunday from 7 to 8 a.m., and we delve into your mind. We talk about mindsets and attitudes, winning, losing, sportsmanship, how you handle success and failure. What is what is mental preparation about? I'm in my 42nd year of work as a sports psychologist, and I've had the privilege to work with uh, athletes all over the country at all levels, from youth sports up to the professional and Olympic level. You know, I love doing this show every week because we talk about you. We talk about what it takes to be successful, how you handle winning and losing, all these topics. And um, if you've listened, you know I've co-authored a book with Jeff Montgomery and Pete Malone called Just Let Them Play, Guiding Parents, Coaches, and Athletes Through Youth Sports. And in that book, we talk about coaching failure. Our fourth chapter is, is about embracing failure can lead to fun. Of course, a lot of people say that's ridiculous. Losing isn't fun, and it's not. But it can lead to that. If in the long term, you learn from it. And I want to get into that today about the whole mental preparation aspect and how you handle failure and losing. You know, here in Kansas City, we've been spoiled with the Chiefs the last several years with the success they've had making the playoffs, hosting the AFC championship game five years in a row, playing in three Super Bowls which just blows my mind after all the years of futility that that organization had. But you look at that and you get spoiled. We've had success. Kansas City Current made the NWSL finals last year. Sporting KC has won a championship. The Royals were in the World Series two years in a row. Yet, what, about nine, ten years ago? But now you've got situations where... The Royals are the worst team in baseball record-wise. Sporting KC has been struggling, needless to say, hasn't won a conference regular season game yet. And losing is part of sports. It's a major part of what goes on at every level. And I want to get into that today. If If you're a coach... What what do winning and losing really mean for you? How do you handle it? How do you respond to it? And how do you coach it? If your team fails, if your team's losing, if it's screwing up, what do you do to get them out of it? And it will be interesting to see 
as the Royals move on in this season, how they handle the record they have, which is the worst in baseball. How Sporting KC can come out of it. Will the leadership of both organizations in terms of coaching deal with that? It's not easy. I've been affiliated with organizations and teams that have lost. I mean, the A's lost for, or excuse me, the A's won for two games in a row for the first time last night. They've beaten the Royals twice in a row. The A's came in here with the worst record. Now the Royals have it. Expectations is a big piece of this puzzle. What are the expectations you have for your team as a coach, as a player, and what happens when those expectations are not met? Now, earlier this year, I had Rob Thompson on the show, the manager of the Philadelphia Phillies. I've known Rob for years since I was K's first sports psychologist back in the early 80s when Rob was the catcher on K's baseball team. One of the best people in sports I've ever known. And last year, Joe Girardi got fired. He took over the Phillies. They won, I think, about 10 or 11 games in a row, ended up making the playoffs, ended up making the World Series, which they eventually lost but nonetheless came back from a really bad situation. So it's possible for anybody to do that. But mindsets are a big part of it. And I know when I talked to Rob on the show earlier this year, and I commented about interviews I'd read from players about him, it's the one of the things that they loved about him was he was even-keeled. You know, they're winning, he didn't get all freaked out and excited, and they're losing, he didn't get the opposite way as well. Stability is part of that. So as a coach, how do you handle yourself, and how does that end up affecting the athletes you're coaching? So I'd like to talk about how you coach losing, how you overcome it, how you deal with it today. But I'd like to open up our phone lines, and I'd like to get some conversations going today. You know, normally you don't get too many calls to the end of the show. I'd like to see if we can get some calls in here from some coaches who have had to deal with their team losing or failing or not doing well or not meeting expectations. And what do you do about it to overcome it? How do you pull your team out of it or can you? Our phone number as always is 913-3810-810. If you are a coach... And the team, and I don't care if it's Little League, youth soccer, high school, club club baseball, collegiately or even professionally. We've had professional coaches call this show before out of the, you know, off the line, just out of the blue. How do you handle that? 913-3810-810 is the number. I'd like to hear from you. If you're a coach and your team is failing, they're losing, they're not doing well, what do you do to get them out of it? Because leadership is a big piece of this. Obviously, the talent level, the skill level of the athletes is a big part of it. But leadership plays a big role. And I've been around great coaches throughout my career who've had to deal with this. And it's not easy. When you keep losing, when you keep losing, it's a problem. And people's mentality falls down. 
their motivation goes, they get frustrated, they start pointing fingers, it becomes ugly. All right, Kyle, who do we have on the line here? Got Craig. Craig, good morning. Dr. Jacobs, how are you doing? Good morning. How are you doing? Great. Thanks for calling in. I, I heard about your topic. Um, I mean, sometimes you just got to recognize why the team isn't doing well and go from there. But I, I don't know if it was Bill Self or it was one coach who said you, you give away more games than you actually win. So sometimes the team just you, – you just make mistakes and you don't play well. I mean, there are a lot of, there are a lot of things that go in. A lot of things got to go right for you to win, and a lot of things got to go wrong for you to lose too. So, so when you're when you're in a losing mentality, when that's going on, Craig, and the successes just don't come, and the frustrations start to mount, and the finger pointing starts to occur, what do you do as a coach? I mean, probably just you know maybe look at the film and see are are we just making simple mistakes. I mean, I've I've coached a team or been on a team, uh, coaching staff where we just didn't have we just didn't have better we didn't have as good as players as the other team. It wasn't. I mean, we probably could have played our best, but the other team just had better players, and that's all it came down to. So, but you ha- you maybe have to talk to the kids and say it's it's a bigger goal, or you know we need to just shape some things up. You know, you can't like you said you can't get too high when you win and too low when you lose. So. You know what? What are what are we doing wrong as a team, or what are we not doing right as a coaching staff? You know, because sometimes winning or losing is just that simple. Where it's a mistake here or there. So, if you were the manager of the Kansas City Royals right now, what would you do? I th- maybe come maybe go back to fundamentals and see. You know what? You know it might because some of the games that the Royals have lost have been close. So it might have been an error here or there, or you know why? You know, is it is it? You might you have to look at the analytics and say, you know, our batting, you know, our pitching is pretty good, but our batting isn't that good. So let's let's get a new hitting coach or see why we're not why we're not hitting as well, or if it's on the defensive end, then you know you you probably need to upgrade that and say, well, we're dropping balls here or there, and you know, a lot of games are won and lost by a run or two, or. You know, they say in the NFL, some games are decided on three or four plays out of the game. So we just got to try to make those plays so the games are in our favor. So let me ask this question, Craig. Mental preparation, which is a big part of what I work with athletes on all the time, and teams, how you get mentally prepared. You know, you, you physically stretch out, but do you mentally stretch out before a game? Do you give yourself the mindset, the preparation to – deal with all kinds of situations as a coach do you do you do that with your team do you take time mentally to get them prepared i do i think um the school that i coach now and i don't i i just learned this at the school that i coach now three hours before the game we take all the kids phones away you don't have you don't have a you don't have your phone you know two or three hours before the game starts. let me let me ask you what level are you coaching what sport high school football okay okay so you take their phones away that's great which is probably something a lot of coaches should do. All right, what brought you on to that decision? I, I haven't brought the head coach done that. I noticed it when I got to this school. So I, that wasn't my idea. But the, the, I mentioned something that the head coach, I don't know when he started. This is only my second year, but he started it at this school. And I think that's the first part to getting focused, you know, start thinking about the game, the task at hand, and not worried about outside distractions. 
Especially at now, the high do, school level, that's a big, big, big issue. Yes. I mean, now we do play music in the locker room, but even at a certain point, that sets off. You know, maybe like, obviously an hour before the game, you know, it's, it's you know, trying to be quiet. You know, just everybody just kind of relaxing, you know, get, get mentally ready because, you know, you're going into, a, you know, the spirit of competition. So you don't want to be, you just don't want to be distracted. I mean, we've prepared all week, so... You want to be. You want to be focused. How much does the mental part play a role right there in terms? Of, do you, does your coach work with visualization, getting getting the team to take some time to be quiet and visualize themselves in the game, preparing for ups and downs, those types of things, or do they not do that? Yeah, no, they do that. I mean, I think that that helps a lot. You know, because there's there's so many distractions with now more than when I played that you know you can easily just not be focused, and then once the game starts, you know, you're down 14 nothing, and then you try to get them to lock in, but then by that time, it might be too late. So, you know, you want to you know, you want to get you want to get locked in and focused before the actual game starts. So you're not you're not saying that on the sidelines. Even though it does happen, though, that you know, that's the thing about coaching. You do all the preparation, and, you, and you're nervous, and you just never know how the team is going to play. Where do does this word play a role for you as a coach? Expectations, you know, we're better than this team. We should beat them. Uh, you expect that to happen, but it doesn't. How does how does the, the word expectations play a role for you? Um, it, it plays a big role because you 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 know you kind of feel something when you know you're you're physically better, but sometimes you might not be mentally better. You know, I think um, they say they say hard work, hard work beats talent. When talent doesn't work hard, so you know you gotta you. Even though you're better, you still gotta put in the work. So I think when all those things come together, you know you feel like your team is unstoppable. But I've I've seen it where we were better, we just didn't play better, and we lost. So you know well, that's why that's why I have a saying that you can have two athletes who are physically the same, but the one with a stronger mind will come out on top. And a stronger mind to me has a lot to do with the preparation aspect mentally. And I, I love what your coach is doing, taking their phones away. Social media, you know, these this show's on social media right now. You can listen to it on the WHB app. My shows are podcasted everywhere. But social media is is an issue, obviously, across the board for in our society. And I know all the professional athletes I work with, Craig, I tell them, to get off social media at the beginning of their season. Don't don't spend a lot of time on there looking at stuff. You know, I mean, it's one thing to contact their friends and things like that, but don't don't read stuff. Don't get on all the apps listening to what people are saying about you because if you do well, everybody says you're the greatest thing in the world, and if you do terribly, they say you suck, you're awful, get out of here. And those are people that don't know you. They're just people who just get caught up in the results of the, of the comp- competition. Right. But yeah, I think that that was a, a, a great idea. I mean, and it I think it definitely helps you. Just, you can definitely get caught up in going back and forth with somebody who doesn't know you. And a high school kid doesn't need to get caught up on social media about about sports or how they play or going back and forth with the other team because at the end of the day, we whatever team we're playing, we got to play each other. So the results will take care of themselves. Whether you guys are talking trash or not, we still got to play. And the, the ultimate equalizer to talking trash is winning and losing. If you won, then it speaks for itself. 
Well, you hit it on the head, Craig. Listen, sir, thank you for calling in this morning. Great, great comments, great conversation. Appreciate it. Good luck to you this fall as your season gets going. Thank you. And again, I think your show should be longer than an hour. Well, <laughs> call call uh, call the stations. Let let the people in charge, Chad Bober, and people here know about that. I appreciate that. Thanks, and okay. you know our shows are podcasted everywhere, so you can listen to it, especially on my website, winnersunlimited dot com. So, thank you, sir. Take care. All right, that frees up our lines here at nine one three three eight ten eight ten. Great call, and I'd like to hear from you if, you, if you're a coach or you have coached. How do you coach winning and how do you coach losing in light of, like I said, the Royals now the worst record in baseball. Sporting KC hasn't won a game yet this year. If you're the, the Royals manager or Peter for me is the head coach of the of sporting, what do you say? How do you deal with that? How do you get your team back on track? You know, there's an old saying in sports, it's, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. But when things aren't going well, inevitably people start pointing fingers, people start getting upset. And it becomes ugly. So I'd like to hear from you if you're a coach and your team has not been successful. It's It's been losing. It's been failing. You've had trouble winning. What do you do about it? You know, KU this past year, what they lost, what, three or four games in a row? can't remember if it was three or four. It was uh, three. Three games. For the second time ever in uh, the Bill Self era. Right. Thanks, Kyle, for pointing that out. And... Right, the, the concern was when they went to Kentucky, it was going to be four. Yet, that didn't happen. They ended up pulling it together, came out of that funk, win the Big 12, and, and get to the, the NCAA as the number one seed. So, it can happen. You can overcome negativity. You can overcome that, but you have to you have to get within yourself. And when you're not doing well, just as, just as much as when you are doing well, you've got to look at why. If you're playing well, what's going on? Why is that happening? And if you're not playing well, why is that happening? All right, our phone number here is 913-3810-810. Like I said, if you're a coach, I'd love to hear from you and get your thoughts on this. How do you coach failure? How do you help your team overcome that? As I said, I always like to say you can have two athletes who are physically the same, but the one with the stronger mind will come out on top. What's the stronger mind? To me, it's about preparation. And it's about being prepared for success and failure, for doing well and not doing well. When you start struggling and you get stuck in that funk, you are always, you're capable of coming out of it if you've done well before. But how? What is it? That's where the mental part comes in. All right, we'll go to commercial break. I'd love to come back and get some calls in here. If you're a coach, how do you teach your team to overcome failure and losing when they're in a rut what do you say? What do you do? Do you get angry and blow up and tear things apart as a coach? Have a temper tantrum yourself? Do you stay even keeled? What do you do? 913-3810-810 is our number. Give me a call. Let's talk. We're on the Leader in Sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour here from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB here in Kansas City. Our shows are podcasted everywhere, all the major apps, and on my website, winnersunlimited.com. And today's topic is this. How do you coach losing and failure? When your team is not doing well, when they're not meeting expectations, when they get in that losing mentality, that losing streak, 
How do you, as a coach, pull them out of it? We had a great call from Craig earlier in the show, and I'd love to hear if you're if you're a coach, you're on your way right now. It's a beautiful day here in Kansas City. Going to be hot. You're on your way to that soccer game, baseball game, softball game, lacrosse game, whatever it might be. And your team has been losing. What do you say to them to get them out of that rut? 913-3810-810 is our number. It's probably one of the biggest, I think, probably one of the biggest issues if you're a coach that you have to have a game plan for. You know, it's great if the team succeeds, you're accomplishing your goals, you're winning. But if you're not and you're losing and you're failing, it, it can be, you know, b- both can become contagious, winning and losing. If you've lost three in a row, you think, well, we don't want to lose four in a row. So you're going into the game thinking about we don't want to lose four in a row. So what's in your mind? Losing four in a row. Or if you keep failing and losing, if you're in a batting slump, a hitting slump, you think, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to go 0 for 6 today. I don't want to go for 5. I don't, I'm going to go 0 for. Then you're thinking about what you don't want to do. Years ago, when I worked with the Royals, there was a player. So when I was with the team, I would be underneath the dugout. I wasn't allowed Major League rules to be in the dugout during games, so I was behind the dugout. And we had a player starting the All-Star break, and he went 0 for 9. Nine line drives in a row, all outs. And started Friday, Saturday, soaring to Sunday. And he and I had barely spoken at all because I'd just been hired by the team. He came back, put his bat in the back rack and grabbed me. Doc, what's wrong with me? What's wrong? I can't get any luck. And I said, are your bats quality at bats? Are you hitting the ball hard? Yes, they're all great at bats, but everybody's catching. I said, just keep doing it. But the next next at bat, maybe you'll, you'll hit it off the wall. Well, Boom. Line drive off the wall, gets a double. He then ends up going 11 for 13 after that. So I come in the locker room the following Thursday. He's gone now 11 for 22 since the All-Star break. And we start talking, and I said, look. He says, ever since I talked to you, I'm 11 for 13. I said, no, that that's irrelevant. You're 11 for 22. Of those 22 at-bats, how many poor at-bats did you have? There was one pop-up in that 11 for 13 stretch. He said, that one. I said, you're hitting the ball well. The results weren't there. Now they are. They may turn around today. Who knows? But stay focused on your execution. I have a Super Bowl jersey from one of the Chiefs players I work with in my office. And he has FOE on his jersey. Stands for focus on effort, not results. All right. Let's go back to the phones. Who do we have? We have Rocky on line one. Rocky, good morning. How are you? Hi, good morning. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, I've I've coached a, a baseball team uh, with uh, with Buddy for probably 15 years or so, and they're now at the age where they're in high school. But when they were younger, we always told and preached to them, "Hey, it's effort and attitude. Those are the two things you can control on the ball diamond." And you know, are you giving 100 percent effort and 100 percent attitude, a positive attitude to the situation you're in? And if you are, you know, that's all we can ask for. If you're, you know, you know. If you're making a mistake, we'll coach you up, help them, you know, stop making that mistake. But, you know, if you, if you, if we play a game and we lose two to, two to one and everybody did their, 
their best and had a positive attitude about it, um, you know, that, that was that was the most important thing that we, we, we've taught them. And, and, you know, and then, you know, when, you, when you're in a situation where you're failing and, and uh, getting down on yourself, you know, we just try to recognize that and, and, and you know, point out the positive to them of, hey, you know, like you said, man, you, you just smoked that, that ball and that guy ran, you know, 30 feet to go catch that ball and and, uh, and and got you out. You did your job. They did their job. And there's nothing wrong with that outcome. You know, you you, you just got to control what you can control. There you go. That, that was exactly what I was just going to say. The whole thing is controlling the, the things you have control over and the things you don't. You hit the ball hard. You hit it at somebody. There's nothing you can do about that. But it's a yep. qu- that was a quality at bat. You made a great yep. effort on the shot. It bounced off of the back of the rim. You you know you dove up in the air for the ball. You caught it, but as you fell down, it, it came out of your hands, hit the ground. It if I call it foe versus four, Rocky. Focus on effort versus focus on results. When you're focusing on results, you're thinking too much about what you want to do. When you're focusing on your effort, you're focusing on how you want to do it. Yep, yep. And and we've run into situations where you know we started out as a double A team, and then we got bumped to you know a triple A team, and then. And all of a sudden, the kids forget how to catch a fly ball or pop up. You know, it's like, hey, the, the play the plays aren't any harder than than what they were before. It's just like, hey, psychology comes into play, and it's like, so, what, oh, so no. okay, so what'd you do about that? You you guys moved up a little. What you're talking, in case you don't understand, yeah, yeah, with baseball, yeah. you moved up a level. Is what you're saying. So the teams you're playing now are are talent wise a little bit better than the teams you were. So what's going under the kids' heads? Is how old were they at this time? Uh, they're probably eleven. Okay, yeah. so what's yeah. going in their heads as you move up the level? Yeah, they're just saying, "Oh, yeah, you know, that's all they're talking about." Is, oh, we're AAA now. We're AAA, and now all of a sudden we're playing better teams, and and not you know the teams that we're playing are going to be really good. And, and it's like, okay, well, the ground ball just came right to you. You didn't have to, it wasn't a hard play or a pop up, and we're just like all of a sudden making error after error, and it wasn't because the kids were really making any better plays than, than what we'd, you know, seen before. It was just that they were in their heads that, hey, now this is so much harder and, and than, than it was before. The routine play now is, is now they're making it way harder than, than it should have been. So, so let me ask this question, Rocky. Why do you think upsets happen? Why do upsets happen? Based on what you're telling me, what, yep. what do you think yep. the reason is? Yeah, they 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 get tight, they get tightened up, and 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 start thinking about maybe um, you know, I guess the team the team the team the team the favorite team probably thinks it'll be it'll be a cakewalk and easy, and the and the 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 the, the team that that's the underdog is you know playing with a chip on their shoulder and and a little bit. You know they have the that that mindset that they're not going to fail and they're going to do whatever it takes. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the main reason usually when a team is supposedly better talent wise, ability wise, is oftentimes they take it for granted that oh we're better this will be you know cakewalk it'll be easy instead of hey it doesn't matter who we're playing what matters is that we're playing and yeah. I think you you spend spend too much time focusing on that and much the same way. If you're not nearly as good as the team you're playing, you focus so much on that, you don't focus on yourself. Listen, sir, thank you for calling in. I appreciate it, and good luck coaching. 
know you guys are probably in the middle of your season right now, so I hope things go well for you. Yep. All right, thank you. Have a great day. All right, that frees up our lines here. 913-3810-810 is the number. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. My topic this morning is this. How do you coach losing? How do you overcome negativity? If you were the Royals manager right now, what would you do? I mean, they have the worst record in baseball. They've just lost two in a row to Oakland, who came in here with the worst record. First time Oakland's won two games in a row all year. You know, having worked formerly with the Royals twice, I know what goes on in the locker rooms when teams don't do well. And I was there back in 1990, one of the first sports psychologists in baseball. And we had a team of all-stars. <clears throat> George Brett, Willie Wilson, Frank White, Brett Saberhagen, Tom Gordon. I mean, the list went on and on and on. And Kevin Seitzer, Kurt Stillwell, Danny Tartable, great team. Bob Boone was the catcher, Mike McFarlane. And yet... We had basically sort of a 500 year. We were supposed to, we were expected to be everybody. It didn't work out. Because that's, na- that's the nature of sports. Just because somebody expects you to win doesn't mean you will. There's so many factors that come into play. We had a lot of injuries that year, too. So if you're a coach, I'd love to hear from you. Let's open up our phone lines here. 913 is the number. If you are a coach, how do you Deal with losing and negativity. 913-3810-810 is our number. If you are expected to win, expected to do better, and you're not, what do you do? At the major league level, there's a disparity in talent, just like there is at, at any level. I've seen it. And I remember one time talking with Rusty Kuntz, when I was with the Royals, Rusty, Rusty said to me, Doc, now let's look at look at our team and look at this other team, and let's go position by position. Who's better? And we went through it. Seven of the nine of the eight guys he pointed out on the other team were better. But then he said to me, just because they're better doesn't mean we can't beat them. He said it comes back to what you talk about, about attitudes and mindset. He goes, because if they go into these games thinking they're not going to win, we're not. I said, that's why the stuff you do, to me, is, is maybe more important than getting your hitting stroke down. You've got to have the right attitude. All right, let's go back to the phones. Let's talk to Trevor. Trevor, good morning, Dr. Jacobs. How you doing? Good. How are you doing? Great. Thanks for calling in. You bet. So I've been listening and, and, and thinking about this. And so as a coach, you know, I've coached youth football and, and high school football and um uh, good te- like 0 and 10 teams and, and, and 10 and 0 teams. And, um, so talking about, so Trevor Moad, um, is a guy that I really respect. The book that I read about staying neutral, um, Russell Wilson and him work together. But, uh, I think it's important as a coach to stay neutral, um, through the good and the bad. Um, uh, you can't ride that emotional roller coaster that the game wants you to ride. Um, you know, when you're going good, you you really start to believe that you're better than than you are. And when you start losing, you start 
God, the last thing you want to do is start pointing fingers. So one rule I have is no egos. So whether that's a coach or whether that's a player, um, no egos. We're all a team. We're all working together. We're all working in the same direction um, as a team. Most importantly, when we're losing, um, no egos. So baseball, um, don't start throwing your bat around. Don't start disengaging with the team. Don't start pointing fingers. Um, in football, you know, what you'll see in football when you start losing is a lack of effort. Um, not my fault. It's somebody else's fault. But as a coach, it's my responsibility to make sure that we're all living up to the standard. Um, and that's the standard that, that I, that we create as coaches. Um, and the standard never changes. No matter if we're five and oh or over oh five, the standard never changes. And what's built on that standard is effort and humility. And, um, if things start to go sideways, and we really believe that we have a talented football team, and as coaches, you got to look inside. What are we doing wrong? Why is our message not getting heard? Um, Excuse me. So when, when your message, in that scenario, when you feel your message is not getting heard, what do you do? So what I do, it, or what I did, is I just I had the kids sit down on their butt, you know, something you don't do in football. You don't sit on your butt. Um you take a knee, but you sit on sit on your butt. And just calmly talk about the standard and the expectations, and you know what um, what we need to do as a team. Um, and in football, I could you know I can get caught up you know in the weeds talking about what we need to do as a team. But um, if you can get to their level and eliminate the the old school thinking of I'm the coach, you're the pupil, I talk, you listen. If you can eliminate that barrier, the kids buy in. Let me let me jump in there for a second. I, I think that's wonderful what you're saying, and let me t- tell you what I always encourage coaches to do. Um, you don't want to talk down to your athletes because then there, there, there will be some that will respond positively to that, but a lot of them are going to talk negatively. And I'm, I'm a big proponent of communication. And one of the things I always encourage coaches to do before a season starts is take the time to sit down with each athlete individually, especially at youth, youth and high school. Why are you here? What are your goals for the season? What do you want to accomplish? How can I help you do that? And get, get, a, get a sense. A good, I always like to say, Trevor, a good coach is a good psychologist. A bad coach needs a sports psychologist. You, you need to take the time to get to know these athletes as people. And, you know, Everyone's going to succeed and fail in, in, during the course of a season in any sport. It's going to happen. So how do you coach that? How do you work with that? And that has a lot to do with their goals, why they're there. Do you agree with that? Yeah, and it's, if you don't mind me interrupting, so it, it's interesting. So when I played high school football, um, it, was, it, was, it was everything to me. It was my identity. It's who I was. If you took high school football away from me, I don't know. I don't know who the heck I would have been. Um, but what I've learned over the years, some kids just like to play the game, and then when practice is over, practice is over, and they move on. Um, and I respect those kids as much, if not more, than the kids that are going to these camps and trying to earn a scholarship and being, you know, have the wrong people in their ear. Um, 
But kids are out there for a million different reasons. Um, and some of it's just to hang out with their buddies, play football, and, and win some football games. And I'm blessed to be coaching at a place where we have a pretty good tradition and we win football games. But to your point, uh, you're so right that each individual is out there playing, I, I don't know, I don't want a different reason, I guess. But they're all positive reasons. Well, uh, hopefully, it, hopefully they are. You've got some right. kids. You're, you're always yeah. going to have some kids that are out there because their parents are making them do it, and they don't want to do it, or they feel the pressure to have to do it. So it's not. It's not always positive. I mean, I'll have to jump in and, and challenge you on that one. Sure, and that's true. And that's where you try to reach that kid, reach that kid. And what I do, and I have no idea if this is right or wrong. But if I know that I have a parent that, that motives are, are not pure, I distance myself from the parents and I engage with the kid. So I will not have a side conversation with mom and dad about anything. Um, and I, I could probably handle that better. But that's well, let me, let, me, let me challenge you on that one a little bit, too. Okay, because, you know, at, at the high, and we're talking about the high school level here, correct? Sure. Okay. I mean, I always tell coaches what I think they should do is at the beginning of the year, hey, have your preseason meeting where, and I do a, Trevor, I do a Facebook live show every Tuesday night from 7 to 7.30 where I interview mostly high school coaches and youth sport coaches about this. But I, I say, I think you should have a preseason meeting where, you know, you talk about schedules, practice, all that stuff, but you also talk about sportsmanship. You talk about communication. And I don't think you should ever say, I'm not talking to any parents other than you. You can't talk to me. I think you set up a, set up a parameter there and say, look, uh, I'm not going to talk to you about playing time. You know, that's not something I'm going to do. If, if your son or daughter has an issue with playing time, then they need to come to me. But if that doesn't get solved and we talk about it and what we say doesn't work out, then in that situation, then I'm, I'm open to having a discussion with you. Okay, I don't. I will not talk to you after a game about playing time. I'm not going to talk to you about that. That that your son, since you're coaching football, your son has to take have the the strength to come talk to me personally about it. But you know that's that's an issue they've got to deal with. But if that continues to be a problem, then we can set up a meeting and discuss it. That that's that's my opinion. Okay, you may not agree with that, but I think you can't you can't block them out totally. And I think I know a lot of coaches. I'm not talking to parents. They, the season starts, you're out of my head. Well, I get that if they're going to you know, complain and moan and groan about stuff. But there has to be a game plan to deal with that when you've got kids who aren't playing and they're frustrated. But the kids at the high school level, they have to come talk to you. And then you have to discuss it with them. Uh, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, so, and that's one thing that I've forgotten about. So the, the protocol is position coach first, coordinator second. Head coach third, and if and if we can't get it figured out by then, you know you're right. You can't shut the parents out because then the parents become a cancer. Um, can become a cancer. And going back to what you just reminded me of, you're right. There, there's got to be well, there's got to be firm boundaries starting off, and that happens in that preseason meeting. Um, um, yeah, you've got to, you've got to establish in that preseason meeting sportsmanship issues and communication issues. But but any coach that says I'm not speaking to parents in a year, you don't come talk to me. I don't want anything to do with you. I'm sorry, that's just wrong. 
you have to have i mean let's say you're 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 talking football so your son's depressed let's say your son is depressed and he's struggling okay and you have a coach that you don't talk to me well that's just wrong the coach needs to know what's going on with that person with that athlete especially because teenage boys who are stressed or depressed or something like that are probably not going to go tell the coach that we agree matters so that's the relationship i strive for that's the relationship i want them to be able i want to be able to have that conversation with that young man and in that he feels comfortable enough in me um to have that conversation um and that's where I was talking about separating the player from the parents. Um, but you're right; you can't shut the parent out. And I hear this. I, I I hear this too often from coaches that I'll talk to. No, no, not talking to the parents. There, I don't like the bitching and moaning, complaining about playing time. Well, there's there, why is that athlete frustrated that they're not playing? What are you doing to help them understand that? And what are you doing to try to get them to move on? You know. And and at some you know, at some point, I you can't b- block the parents out. There has to be that communication and o- openness. But there, it's got to be established the preseason meeting. And when yeah. you establish it that way, then I think you know most most not everybody, but most parents are going to abide by that. And you know I mean, yeah. but but so before I let you go here, let me ask this question: uh-huh. What's your definition of winning? What's your definition of losing? Uh. <clears throat> Okay, so let me let me put it under this scenario. Uh, I'm a new football coach in town, trying to reestablish a program. Uh, I'm not worried about the scoreboard. Uh, I, I'm honest, and I got and I got to keep myself in check on that as much as anybody. You know, I'm coaching effort and attitude, and I'm coaching technique, um, and, I, and I'm coaching about just one play at a time, and, and what. Let's take away that scoreboard. Um, let's take away the wins and losses. Let's stay neutral through this process, um, and that's me rebuilding a program. Now, if I'm if I'm at a program with a good tradition and we win eight or nine games a year, and we're not meeting the the standard, that that's when it falls back on the coaches. We're doing something wrong. We're doing something. We've lost the standard somewhere. Well, Trevor, listen, I'm going to let you go here, but I really appreciate your call. You obviously have a great perspective with this stuff and continued success, and good luck coaching this this fall as things get going. Call back again. Oh, Love to hear from I you. I appreciate it. Bye. All right, that frees up our lines here at 913-3810-810. The topic today is how do you handle losing? How do you handle failure? I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. We're the leader in sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB. I love that song. That's Head East. That's back from Kyle. That's back from the seventies, man. When I was when I was in school, grad school. I love that song. Anyway, I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm here every Sunday from seven to eight a.m. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I've had a great show today. Great calls. You know, I've talked about how do you coach losing? How do you coach failure? What are, how do you do with expectations? And you know, as a coach, you have to deal with so many different factors. When you're out there working with your team and your athletes. But I think one of the most important things you have to do is you have to be a good communicator and you have to be a good listener. You know, I said, what happens when your team's losing? Consistently losing like the Royals or Sporting KC have been doing lately. How do you you try to get them out of that? That's where you've got to be able to understand 
what are the strengths and weaknesses of guys that are playing or the young ladies that are playing? How do I help them work through that? That's where I say a good coach is a good psychologist for, for a reason. Because good coaches take the time to understand that. And, you know, I, as I mentioned earlier, I had Rob Thompson on, the Phillies manager earlier this year, who I've known for a long, you know, gosh, over 40 years. Great guy. And Bryce Harper, last year when they were getting close to the playoffs, talked about Rob Thompson and said he doesn't get too high when we're winning. He doesn't get too low when we're losing. He's really even, but he's stable. And that's what you want in leadership, I think. You want a coach who's stable. They don't freak out when you're losing, and they don't go ballistic and crazy when you're winning. They're even-keeled. And I think that will reflect on your team as well. Hope you enjoy this show. You know, I do this show every Sunday morning. I'm in my 32nd year on the radio, last 22 years here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. One of the longest uh, radio show hosts here in Kansas City. Our shows are podcasted everywhere. We just got back on SoundCloud, that app, recently. All our shows are being downloaded on there. I've got close to 10 years of podcasts. If you want to hear different topics, just go on my website, winnersunlimited.com, click on the podcast tab, and scroll down, and you'll find pretty much just about everything we've talked about on this show forever. But I'd love to hear from you during the week if you have comments or questions. A topic you'd like me to bring up on this show, you know, get a hold of me. My website is winnersunlimited.com. W-I-N-N-E-R-S, unlimited.com. My email address there is drj, Dr. J, at winnersunlimited.com. I'm on Twitter at DRJ Sports Psych, and my office number is 816-561-5556. I've been in practice since 1981. Hope to be doing it for a number of years after this. And I love doing this show each week because uh, I got into this profession at the start when basically nobody was doing this, and one of the very first trained sports psychologists in the country, because to be very blunt with you, honest with you, I like helping people out. I like helping people overcome their issues and obstacles and, and get better. And it's it's not it's not about coming in first. It's about coming in first for yourself. Like I said, I hope you enjoy this show. I'm here every Sunday morning from 7 to 8. Next Sunday will be Mother's Day. We'll be doing our, our Mother's Day show we do every year. Hope you'll be listening in. And and please, if you have comments or questions, you want to get a hold of me, my office number is 816-561-5556. I talk to people all over the country. Love doing what I do. Love helping people out. Have a great week. Take care.